Hi, this is Jack Tester, and welcome to another edition, another episode of Leadership Lounge. I am sitting here in my office in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's a beautiful March day, and I'm here with uh, Josh Savage. Hi, Josh. How you doing, Jack? Good. Josh, you're here. You've got some folks here at Service System, and you're observing in the back of the class. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Fantastic. And Josh, I have been, uh, I've known you, you joined Nexstar, I think it was, what, 2008? 2010. 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I've known you since then, and mm-hmm. I never met you until you joined. And I've always been so impressed with you and uh, what you've done. And uh, so you've been a member here for seven years. And tell us mm-hmm. about why, when you joined Nexstar, what was going mm-hmm. on, and then... Uh, just give us a snapshot of your business at that point, and then tell us about what your business is doing today. So uh, we joined um, when I bought the business. And when I bought the business, uh, we had four employees doing $1.8 million. And I told my dad that the only way that I would join Nexstar or that I would buy the businesses if I joined Nexstar on that because I'd seen the lifestyle that he had loved growing up. He was always frustrated with customers, frustrated with employees, and very stressed out about money. And he brought that home with him every night. Yeah. And I just remember sitting at the kitchen table, and he's talking about, you know, we're going to have to sell our house and downsize and stuff oh, like that. anxiety for you at that point, I imagine. It didn't create anxiety in me. Um, what it did was is that it was because it just – dad always bitched like that, for lack of better words, and always – said stuff like that so you just kind of got numb to it okay but you were just he was always unhappy yeah and i i just i didn't want that right i i I grew up thinking i didn't want to own my own business and i was never offered his business or led in that direction at that time growing up um actually i i went to school for i graduated high school i was big in the shop class and my shop teacher steered me in the direction of auto, uh, CNC machining. So I moved up to Duluth, Minnesota when I turned 18. She, yeah, I just turned 18, moved to Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, lived in a condemned uh, apartment for actually uh, nine months, free rent, and went to school for CNC. Because it was condemned. Because yeah. it was condemned, you're, you're, yeah. You were homeless is what you're saying. <laughs> kind of. Okay. All right. Um, but I uh, went to school for CNC machining for the first half of the day. What's a CNC? So computer numerically controlled. So machining controlled by a computer. Okay. This is All back right. in 1997, 96. Okay. okay. And so that was kind of the big thing back then. And it was pretty boring, though. You had to stand in one place yeah. all day and make small adjustments. And uh, I need to move around. I need to talk to people. Yeah. And so the second half of the day, I took auto mechanics. So from 7 in the morning till noon, I took CNC machining and then... From uh, noon to about 5 o'clock, I did auto mechanics because I've always enjoyed yep. auto mechanics. Anyway, long story short is, is that I uh, wound up getting a degree as a mechanic and graduated, um, went uh, out west for a while, did a few different things, and then came back home to Minnesota and got a real job as a mechanic. And then uh, at nights, I went to the community college uh, for a four-year degree. And then after a year, I moved to St. Cloud Minnesota and bought a duplex, and that was a big deal for me because it wasn't condemned. It was a huge. It wasn't condemned. Yeah, it was. You know, it was. This was two thousand one, and it's like real estate was just booming. We're just starting. It was on the edge of it, and uh, I got it for no money down, and uh, was just ecstatic, just ecstatic with the place. And so moved up there, going to the university. Uh, September 11th happened, and my roommate joined uh, the National Guard, or was talking about joining yeah. the military. And I, he was my best friend, Paul. And I, I said that, um, 
you know, I'm going to go down to the recruiter and talk you out of this crap, and uh, we'll be able to move on with our lives here. And it was a hell of a recruiter, and we both ended up signing up. We, I signed up for the adventure, and uh, the leadership training uh, was second to none. And so I ended up going in as a heavy equipment operator. In the military. In, in the military. Which branch of the service? Army. Okay. And then um, eventually commissioned as an officer and uh, led 42 troops in Iraq doing construction missions all over okay. Baghdad, which any of the other business owners out there would have loved, uh, you know, flying by the seat of your pants yep. with a blank checkbook in a third world country right. doing whatever the hell you want to get the job done. So it was, Wow. Thank it was, you for your service. Yeah. That's thank you. awesome. So that was, that was great. Um, and while I was going to college, though, um, I was working as a mechanic, and I had a small business class. And uh, I did a small business study on Dad's business. At that time, that was, God, what year was that? That would be 2004. And I learned about Nexstar while I did this study on Dad's business. I, I didn't even know this. This yeah. is fascinating. Okay. So I wrote a business plan, actually, and uh, for his business or a business like his, uh, I, I actually interviewed, I think, eight or nine contractors in twin, the Twin Cities market and the St. Cloud market, including Standard Heating, ironically. Okay, big and company. Big town, company right? at the time, and they'd never even heard of us. Kind of never heard of William Riddler no, at that time? No, no, yeah. it's kind of funny. We were that actually, was the name of your business, your father's business, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, William F. Riddler, Plumbing and Heating. We were a block down the street from them, and they didn't even know we existed. Oh, it was really? A funny thing. Yeah, now we're the same size. Um, but it's just kind of funny how life works out that <laughs> but way. But who's keeping score anyway? Yeah. Just well, this guy. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I definitely, that's definitely right. yeah. like, to, yeah. like to send him a letter. Hey, by the way. Anyway, uh, funny thing. Note to self don't talk to any college students. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Oh, no, well, it wasn't that, but their general manager was Greg. Uh, and it was just really insightful to meet with him, yeah. uh, meet with um, all these other business owners right. at that time. And so at that time, I learned about Nexstar. In your research? Uh, in my research. Scott Shirk at Neighborhood Plumbing. Sure. I met with him. Okay. And they were part of, um, gosh, uh, the Plumber Success right. PSI a, a 5000 yeah. at that okay. time. And uh, he shared his passion of that and then shared Nexstar might be an option to look into. Okay. And so I dug into that. I learned about Hackney Trucks and uh, Successware 21 for software. Oh, wow. And I wrote all these things in my business plan about what I wanted. And um, I got excited about the business. And when I graduated college, my intent was to go to work in distribution. And you were out of the military at this point. I was still in the military. Okay. So the National Guard, one week in a month, two okay. weeks a year kind of a deal. And um, so I get done with college. So was it? So I... Um, I see the potential in dad's business, but my original plan was just to go into distribution, like working for Target yeah. or Anderson Trucking in uh, just distribution somewhere. I, was some, yeah. I, I, I saw myself working hard for somebody else, yeah. slowly climbing the corporate ladder and getting my two weeks off a year, never owning my own business. But after doing the small business study on dad's business, I saw the potential. And I also was coming to the conclusion that there wasn't as much security in working for corporate America yeah. as I originally thought. I think that for the generation before me, there was. But me, you know, at the age of 40, I... You're 40 now. 40 now. So at yeah. that time, you know, I was, what, 25, 26? Yeah. And uh, was seeing that, you know, that uh, corporate America, I'd, I'd work my butt off, 
but the thing was is when I got to 40 or 50, maybe at mid to higher management at that time, yeah. I'd still have to work my butt off intensely, responding to emails at all hours of the day yeah. and knowing that there's one person, there's somebody younger than me uh, nipping at my heels waiting for me to trip up and take yeah. my job. Sounds like you're talking about my life right now. But yeah. Go ahead. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Julian's just waiting for you <laughs> right. to not you're come drunk. back from a fishing trip trying someday. Get, <laughs> trying to get me to take up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> someday. Someday. Um, and, and so uh, so I, I learned about dad's business, yeah. got excited about it, and I never left. And uh, I went on to work for him out in the field. And I was selling, and again, it was just, at that point in time, it was my father, my uncle, and uh, a helper in the field. It was a, kind of a three people in the field, yep. and then it was one woman in the office, yep. kind of a deal. And they'd ran that way for 25 years. And so once I went into the business full-time, I started doing some selling. He had done all the selling, and he hated it. And so I was doing the selling, but all that was after work hours. All the business development was after work hours. But it worked, and I started to grow the company. In 2009, we got into geothermal with the stimulus plan and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Uh, one point in time, we did the largest solar hot water heater in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> uh, Good to know. All, all, of okay. which, all of which were horrible businesses to be in. Right. But, you, you Stay know. Stay with no sun. That's good. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but I was pretty proud of myself. I, yeah. you know, again, we were doing $1.2 million, And that year, I, you know, in one week, I sold a $210,000 solar hot water heater, um, $100,000 geothermal system, and another $50,000 geothermal system. So that, I mean. That's, that's a third, third of your revenue yeah. for your fourth of the revenue. Yeah. I mean, you just, yeah. you're thinking you're really awesome until you get, you know, the margins back on the work right. that you sold. Right. You know, I was proud of yourself, but, you know, it was still, it was an exciting time. And the reality is nobody else had work at the time. Yeah. It was 2009. Everyone was dead slow. So we were fortunate on that end. And uh, so I was working for my dad. And when I got back from Iraq, so, so while I was working for my dad, I got deployed to Iraq. Okay. Uh, just to All clarify right. that piece there. You were in the guard and you got to clarify. Exactly. Okay. Or sent over. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so I did that. And then once I got back, I went back to work for my father. And I was back for not even a month. And dad sat me down and said that, you know, uh, he can't handle the customers and the employees yeah. and physically yeah. and needed to sell the business. And felt a lot of, and he said that if you don't buy it, I'm going to take it to the market and sell it to somebody else. And I looked at the numbers that he wanted for it, and I just didn't agree with it. I said, well, if you can get this, great, and I'd love to help you get that, but I'm not willing to do it. And so he ended up having the business broker take it to market and try and sell it. But in 2009, 2010, yeah. nobody had a lot of cash to buy businesses and wasn't really looking to do that. But he did get one offer, a solid offer from a guy in town, and um, I felt he should have gone for it, but he ended up backing out of the deal, and not he just didn't feel good about yeah. it. it. It was an identity shift. He owned his own business for 25 right, years, right. and the idea of not owning that, I think, shook him up yeah. at, at the end there. So he ended up um, backing out of the deal, got out of the deal, didn't go through, and it was just him and I again with my uncle and a helper. And tension was already there. You know, we, we had a lot of tension between us. Like I was trying to take the, the business in a different direction than he wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I was the young buck trying things. Yeah. And he's, he had tried a fair amount. He tried things that just didn't work and wasn't interested in trying things yeah. again. Yeah. And just really believed that, you know, 
as a man, you work out in the field with your hands and that the office stuff is something you do at night on your way home from work. Yeah. And uh, so the, as I grew the business and started getting better at selling. That's the way it was, by the way, right, for years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, dec- for generations, that's how the industry ran. Totally. Right? So it's, your dad was a product of the industry. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he was good at what he did. I bet he was. I know he was. Uh, incredibly talented tradesman and good at selling and good at inspiring confidence in sure. the men around him. I believe it. Um, really admire him. Yeah. And he um, – so so we grew apart as I grew the business and spent more time in management and sales, and he was still working in the field. Yeah. And so there's that aspect. But the other aspect is I was growing it and taking risk with his money. And so, one, I was very fortunate and blessed that he gave me a lot of uh, latitude. Yeah. And a lot of, like, he didn't want anything to do with the office or management, right. and he trusted me to do a lot. And so I got the opportunity to manage and make decisions and get judgment, gain judgment right. skills that I wouldn't have working for somebody else. Uh-huh. So that was an incredible blessing. And at the same time, you had the family dynamics of, you know, yeah. the tension back and forth and the, the frustrations. Uncle, yeah. and, and Uncle Larry was great. He was easy to work with. Okay. It was Dad and I that were a pain in the ass together. Yeah. And, um, but it was me trying to take risk and grow it in a different direction. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, not to his fault. Now, he gave me a lot of latitude, and I was just taking a lot of risk kind yeah. of back then, to be honest. Right. And with his money, not my money at that yeah. time. I thought it was a good idea, and it worked out. Things always panned out for me, but it wasn't like a massive return on the crap right. I did. And some of it just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I was working a lot. And so tension was growing between us, and finally I laid it out for him that um, – you know, uh, I laid out my business plan for where I wanted to go with the company, and he didn't agree with it. And so I, I gave him my offer to buy the business, and he accepted it. And uh, we closed, I want to say, two or three months after that on a deal. And in the process of doing that, our relationship really fell apart. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, after I bought the business, he was to work for me for two years. And he had all the licenses in the business. And in the Twin Cities area, you need those licenses. You do. Um, yeah. It's heavily regulated. And so the relationship really fell apart. And then six months after I bought the business, uh, he was out of the business. Okay. Actually, about a year after I bought the business, he was completely out and left with all licenses and started up another business. Okay. And so for me, uh, it was probably the most stressful year of my entire life, 2011. Um, you know, just emotionally going through that I, I had my first child my daughter Brianna was born and I hardly saw her during that time and was massively scared about going out of business that was like a driving factor of you know the biggest fear was that the inspectors would find out that I've got nobody with licenses and so I literally had to take I took and passed 12 city and state tests in four months Okay, and I had to learn how to take and pass the test, and then I had to train my guys how to take and pass the test okay. at the same time. And uh, it was that wasn't part of your business plan, I bet, when no, you wrote it, was it? No, no. it wasn't. Yeah, it was, that was I was supposed to get my licenses over a two year period, and now it got condensed to four months, and I had to train up my guys to do it. But the cool thing is, is it gives me the confidence. To, to know that I can handle just about anything the business can throw at me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, so no matter, so people knock at your door and they're all freaked out about this or that. 
Term of employees or employees, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, Sorry. Right. So in, you know, in your office working on something, people are freaked out about this, freaked out yeah. about that. Yeah. I can always look back and just genuinely tell myself that no matter what, I know I'll get through this. And this isn't as bad as what I had before. And so going through that shitty time in my life has really given me the confidence and strength to know that I can do just about anything. Right. So that's, yeah. That's, I, I, yeah, I yeah. thought I knew you, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that story. That was yeah. a, that was awesome. So you you you, you had a, you read, you wrote a business plan mm-hmm. for William Riddler Plumbing mm-hmm. and Heating. Um, you bought a business that had four people working for it, three of which were family mm-hmm. and uh, one person in the office. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Um, this could be a much longer podcast because the introduction was sixteen minutes. This is awesome, but we're going to keep going here. All right. You can edit and cut yeah. out whatever. Crap no, you don't this like is on all that, good. So. I love it. Yeah. This is just awesome. So listen, I'm going to hang out yeah. here for a little bit. I'm okay. going to hang out here. We didn't talk about this, but I'm going to mm-hmm. hang out in that first year. Um, tell me what what you know. You said you could get through anything. What were some of the the, the hard lessons mm-hmm. that happened in that first? Your first couple of years as you were mm-hmm. transitioning a business. Because one of the things that people don't know is that you right away changed the name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. What, what happened there? So um, the old name was William F. Riddler, Plumbing and Heating. And I changed it to Uptown Plumbing and Heating. Yeah. And um, I... Because uh, you were in a place called Uptown... Uptown... Part, min- <laughs> up, 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 a, uptown Minneapolis, yeah, right? A geographical location, kind of like a suburb so to speak. Uh, but it was a part of Minneapolis. It's really a neighborhood in Minneapolis, it, Josh, is what it is. A small neighborhood yeah. <laughs> in Minneapolis. Let people know that Uptown is like, like <laughs> 10 square blocks, right? Technically. Yeah. And, but I absolutely was passionate about old homes at that point in time. Yep. And what we were doing, and we were phenomenal at old homes, just phenomenal. We were pretty great in that market. And so Minneapolis is 400,000 people. And as I'm going through the rebrand, the people I was working with in marketing were like, are you sure you want to do this? Change the name. Change the name. Like, you know, what What about somebody from Burnsville? Which Why is would, a suburb of Minneapolis. Another suburb calls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, won't, won't they be not likely to use you? And I remember saying, look, 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 look. There is more than enough work here in Minneapolis that just focusing and getting good at that is all I need to do. And that there's, again, I was like, I was less than two million in sales at the time. Yeah. My goal was to get to two and a half to three. That was my dream. Remember, you had a brand that someone two blocks away didn't know of that yeah. was in the industry. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't exactly like, you know, off the tip of people's tongue. <laughs> William F. Riddler. On, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Most people had never heard of us anyway, so to speak. In the industry. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So you weren't so, rebranding Coke or anything here, right? Exactly. It wasn't right. going from Coca Cola Classic to <laughs> right. New Coke. Right. Um, so it, it was, you know, it was low risk. I felt at the time. Right. And in the end, it was it was good for the business for the next five years. As we grew and expanded, I, I never expected to get as big as we did. Um, I, I'll never forget. I went over to Pete Bonfi's shop. Yeah. And again, I'm one to two million in size with almost no employees, right? And I saw his operation. He was kind enough to give me a tour. And I walked out of there overwhelmed. And I don't get overwhelmed really easily. I'm not flustered really easily. But I remember walking out of there thinking, I don't want this. Um, I want something simple that I can be in control of on that end. My goal was to grow it up to three installation crews. I would be selling and doing the project management. I'd have probably two people in the office kind of coordinating. And then I'd also have um, one to three service techs out in the field. That was my vision. And for Uptown. For Uptown. 
that was where I was going to grow to. And I had a competitor in town, Team Mechanical. They were at that level. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they, I bid against them in South Minneapolis all the time. They, they, were, they did a lot of boiler work. We did a lot of boiler work. And uh, I wanted to be like Mike, like Mike. And I've actually called up Mike and I've told him this story is, is that my goal was to get to your size. And that that's what I wanted is what he had. And that seemed really controllable. And so what I did is um, uh, we kept growing essentially. So I was scared of not, not having enough work for my guys that I had. Yeah. So I, I did more marketing. It was pretty good at marketing yeah. and got a lot of work. And so then I started burning out my employees because the few employees I did have, the advertising worked and we had a lot of work to do. And so I, I didn't want to lose my employees, so I hired more employees to take the work off of them. And then I got nervous I wouldn't have enough work for everybody that I just hired, and so I did more advertising. The advertising worked, and now the guys I hired are starting to burn out, and so I hired more guys. And then the office staff is burned out, so I had to hire more office people. And now I got all these people, and I'm freaking out, and I got to have work for them. I'm doing more advertising. And so I do more advertising, and I'm burning people out. And so it just, it really was fear based growth, is, is I was afraid of either not having enough work for my guys or having too much work and burning them out. And so that just kind of led us to growth. And I, I, I'm guessing that, that that's a, probably a pretty common situation that way. Yeah, if it is, I haven't heard it. Okay. So, no, it's, I, yeah. I love I get it. I mean, I yeah. totally get what you did, but it wasn't. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily planned. It was mm-hmm. kind of a reaction mm-hmm. to a stimulus in the business. Mm-hmm. I, the guys are burning out. I'm mm-hmm. going to lose some guys. I better get more guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, I don't want to have. We're going to make sure I give them 40 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll leave. So I got to make sure I advertise to get that. And it's kind of like before you knew it, you look back and like, geez, I didn't know what I did here, mm-hmm. right? Is that is that kind of what? A little bit. Now, to be clear, I always had a plan. I always had an org chart okay. for the next 12 months, okay. uh, like with future yeah. little blocks on it. I always had a detailed plan to get there, but was motivated by fear along the way yeah. massively. And so you, I, people don't know you are a very organized man. I mean, you, that, I, I mm-hmm. saw your business plan mm-hmm. before you bought or right mm-hmm. after you bought Riddler. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe what I saw, how detailed mm-hmm. and thoughtful it was and the, and the vision that you had. I thought you had at that time. So I know you're a, a detailed guy, but I did. So I thought, I honestly thought your growth was more intentional out of ambition mm-hmm. versus fear. There was both probably okay. intermixed there, but fear was what what kept me up, so to speak. I that get way. It. that that I was totally really the it. thing that that caused me to take action. Now, by all means, it was great for my ego to grow. It was great to, to watch things grow and to have exciting plans. But it was the fear of losing employees that really scared me. Yeah, that I had to like I had to do something. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Uh, you, know, you wanted to make sure you, you provided a place where they could make a fair living. Yeah. And, and you know, guys can go if, you, if you're not doing that right. Mm-hmm. They can get hired tomorrow, especially an uptown guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially an uptown man. Right? Yeah. They're pretty hireable. They are, too. Yeah. They are, too. So, so that was kind of your, your first year. What else? What else yeah. happened that first year that was interesting? So uh, that f- or first couple of years. Couple, yeah, didn't that growth yeah. cycle? The, the first, so Nan was the office manager. She, she was like the right-hand woman for me, uh-huh. and she was like my aunt 
and closeness. And she she's she's gone through this tough journey with me, right? She was at Riddler when you before. She you, was at Riddler before okay. I bought it. Yeah. So she's she's been through the drama with me and my right. father, and she stuck it out with me. Yeah. And somebody that um, really was close to, like she was like family, really close family yeah. on that end. And um, my best friend was there. He was uh, he started out as a helper in the field and became a service technician. Was the guy who I joined the military with? Okay, the guy uh, who went to talk out of this thing. Doing to talk out of the military. Right. We were roommates together. Uh, he was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding, and uh, we went to Iraq together. And then he came to Uptown, or wow. was Riddler at that time. Okay. And uh, by the end of the first year, I fired him. Oh. Yeah, and lost all that, and I haven't had any communication since then. Oh, man. Uh, By the end of the first year, uh, my father and I had parted ways and uh, in a really, really messy way and lost all contact with that side of my family, the Savages. Haven't seen them since. Oh, jeez. And uh, the office manager, um, I had to let go, and we uh, haven't talked since. I, I reached out. I called her up. I was feeling really good about a year ago. Yeah. I called her up, and I said, uh, she answered, and I said, hey, this is Josh, and I just wanted you to know um, how much I appreciated everything you ever did for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you worked with me through some really tough times, and I just want to say thank you. And I was wondering if I could take you out to lunch. And she said uh, no, and that she didn't want anything to do with me. Mm. And it, it really hurt. It took a lot to shake that one off, to be honest with you. Um, but it was it was really tough on that to lose good people like that. Um, was it unavoidable? Yeah, is I, it, or is it? I don't avo- know. Well, I, you know, I hate to know, backtrack. I don't yeah, want to go back. But yeah. you, but you gotta you gotta learn from stuff. And yeah. I don't I don't know what what's the lesson. You know, you, as you yeah. look at all this now, that's a real good point. I, I struggle with that right now, and because I look back and I think. Um, some people, you question yourself just genuinely. I think at first I gave myself excuses in this area. And I, I, I said, you know, it wasn't the right person. And I said, you know, didn't have the skill sets. And it was tough because you genuinely, with rapid growth, do outgrow people's skill sets. And they, you run out of places for Especially them. Especially even the owner, by the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. not you. I'm going to talk about it. But that happens, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so a good example of this was this, uh, she was the one-woman office. Yeah. You know, she answered the phone, she, she scheduled appointments, she dispatched, she, right. she did the installation, coordination, and all the accounting, right? Okay. And so then as we grew, we took more and more hats off of her. Yeah. And so now we, we brought in a bookkeeper. Right. We brought in a CSR, excuse me, a CSR slash dispatcher. Yep. Yep. And then she was just in the end having to do the installation coordination. Yeah. And she was struggling at that. And along the way, we increased her pay. So now, all of a sudden, we were paying her almost twice as much as what we could get somebody else to do the same job mm-hmm. for, and she wasn't doing a good job at it. Mm-hmm. She was great as a one-woman one office, so yeah. to speak, but once we got bigger and more um, sp- specific in our needs, she wasn't a good fit anymore. And along the way, I didn't develop her enough. Yeah. To get her to that point. I didn't have the skills or the time or the yeah. resources really to do it. And um, so in the end, she wasn't good at it, and we were paying too much for the position. Yeah. It was tough. And so we ended up having to part ways and let her go. 
yeah. on that. And she actually, remember that day very distinctly when I let her go, and she actually used the Effenheimer, and she hadn't done that. Oh, really? Yeah, before. She'd never heard that out of her. I never heard that out of her. Oh. And it was directed at me. So that was a pretty low point in my life. I bet. Yeah. But um, is what it is. And so is that unavoidable? And I think that in growth you're going to have a fair amount of that. Yeah. Um, I think the stronger your leadership style, the more engaged you are with your employees, and the more you develop them along the way, the less it's going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, there's going to be an inevitable amount of that. Right. And I don't know, you can keep the wrong people for a longer period of time than you should, and it hurts your business. These Think, legacy employees that, yeah, I've heard that quite a bit. That's a term that people okay. use for that kind of thing is, you know, mm-hmm. you're indebted to them because of the tenure or what they did mm-hmm. 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and then. There's a challenge, right, mm-hmm. that comes as you grow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is – so Steve Grohn, a general manager at another company in town, really had a great way of explaining things is, is uh, if you're at – let's say you're at $4 million trying to get to $6 million, so to speak, and you need to hire a general manager. He says that you can't exactly hire the person who can run a 10 to $20 million shop typically. You can only afford to hire somebody who can run a five to ten million dollar kind of show, and that general managers have different skill sets that they need to be able to do at different levels of the business. Mm-hmm. And the small, smaller in size you are, really, they have to be more versatile yeah, right, on that, right. be able to do things, and be closer connected to the front line, and being able to do, you know, be knowledgeable in the actual technicalities of booking a call, running a call, and stuff like that. But then the bigger you get, the skill sets are completely different in a 10 to $20 million company as a general manager and different again once you go beyond the 20, 25 million threshold on yeah. that. Some people can grow with you, but that's yeah. pretty rare. And he said that, you know, looking back, you know, a company should almost hire for a specific need like that. Like, look, I'm looking to hire a general manager to get me from 10 to 20 million. Or, so, or, you know, 5 to 10 million, whatever that goal is, knowing that once you reach that, if, if they haven't grown beyond that, that they're not the right person for the job yeah. anymore. Yeah. And I think that might be fair in certain management positions too. And if you hired a general manager with that intent, if you're a $5 million shop hoping to get to 10, and you say, look, I'm looking to hire you to help me get to here. I expect it to happen in three years. Here's my plan to get there, that kind of a thing. And then at that point in time, really going to reevaluate. Now, I hope that you'll develop into right. the person we need to take us to $20 million. But just so you know, I look at, you know, right now I'm hiring the skill sets to get me to 10 Yeah. So you're trying to be more transparent on the front end yeah. as you hire, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, I think about your situation with that first employee who sounded like it was a, kind of a, a personal performer, versatile, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And as the business grew, um, you know, I had the good fortune. I don't to speak from, mm-hmm. you know, because I hired somebody like that, Marla Coffin. Mm-hmm. And she was an amazing personal performer, but she's also a great manager. Mm-hmm. She's also a great leader. Mm-hmm. And those skills came out as, as we grew. You know, she grew into those other skills, right? Not just, mm-hmm. you know, booking a call or writing a, a check mm-hmm. and all the very important stuff. But but her skill set grew, I, and I got lucky, mm-hmm. right, with, with hiring someone that extraordinary, right? But I, I, I could see that as, as a, a small business where you basically you're not you're not a manager you're just doing a bunch of different things and mm-hmm. kind of doing them okay 
Mm-hmm. Kind of do them at your own pace, mm-hmm. you know, when you want, kind of in the order that you want. And all of a sudden you've got people. And I tell you, it, it, in all fairness to everybody that's like that, to work alone for however many years and then all of a sudden have other people in your space, mm-hmm. that's a hard transition. I'm just going to say that's that's got to be strange to have somebody young coming in. Now you're having to give them something that you used to do, and maybe they do it better than you, or maybe they don't, and that's just creates. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tough transition for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and 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 as you think about it, you probably could have saw it coming, but you didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. right? As you as so, I, I'm sorry that it, it it didn't end well for anyone there. But you mentioned a friend too. Yeah. So my friend, who we'd been through a lot together. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. An awful lot together. He, um, um, it just wasn't working out on that. And he was more resistant to some of the things that I was doing and wanted more. And I, I just didn't see us in alignment. Yeah. And, uh, he's a good guy, real good guy. I got a lot of respect for. You bet. Um, but we just, we just weren't in alignment on that. And, uh, I miss that relationship quite a bit. I bet. Um, an awful lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was tough. That was tough on that. So it was tough. You know, business has been tough in trying to make good business decisions at the same time balancing personal relationships. And I felt like in the, you know, looking back, I made good business decisions. And I don't think I'd decide to do differently. It, the only thing I would decide differently would be not to bring personal relationships into work on that. Okay. And so, as you know, Jack, I've been to a lot of shops all over the country. Yeah, you I, have. I've shared my personal experience and here in the struggles that I've had. And uh, myself, personally, my kids will have the ability to work in my business as long as they're going to school someplace else. If they're not going to school, they will not be in my business, and they will never have the long-term opportunity inside my company. Um, so I would love to share with them the art of business. I'd love to share with them the trade. And, in fact, I'd love for my son to be taught plumbing by Dan Pat, my master plumber. Great yeah. guy. Um, I hope he gets that opportunity. But I don't want them to take over my business, and I don't want them to work in my business. Um, I don't think it's, it's a healthy place for the kids or for the parents. It's this really abnormal situation to be in. With if, the, like my son and daughter, I hope go get a job someplace else, yeah. where they have to fend for themselves, like a lion, right in the you know in the wilderness. A lion has to perform, right? They yeah. have to kill and eat, and if they don't, nature kills you, so to speak. That way, in the business world, if if you perform well at, at in a company, you get promoted and you do well and you're compensated accordingly. Um, and if you don't, your job's on the line and your ability to support your family is on the line. Yeah. And so th- that's, that's mother nature. And I look at working in a family business as the zoo. So, you, you, you know, that's, you know okay. that the tiger just kind of strolls over to the side of the, ca- you know, side of the cage and they th- flip him a steak twice a day. He eats it. He kind of growls a little bit. But his body is weak. Okay. He, has, he, he hasn't had to earn that stake, so to speak. I got it. Okay. And, uh, and he kind of expects, you know, that the, the zookeeper is going to keep throwing it in there. Maybe give him the best stakes, too. Maybe give him the best stakes on that. Yeah. And then uh, the zookeeper has different expectations of a lion 
in captivity than he does of a lion um, in the wild, so to speak. Maybe even if you think of like a circus, you know, lion that, you know, has to dance and jump through a hoop and crap like that. And, and so okay. that's the same with I, I really believe in the companies in my personal experience yeah. and what I've seen in other companies is, is that a child in the business gets abused by his parents in a way that a um, an employer in a in a non-family business couldn't do uh, as it. far as that you know a father or mother can say things inside of a business to a child and do things to a child that another employer just couldn't do on yeah. that end at the same time a child can do things and get away with things yeah. that there's no way in hell you could pull off someplace else right um, case in point um, I took greater risk with my father's business than if I was working for you at that point in time you would have fired my ass right and uh, or done things like that and uh, there so I always feel that in the best situations, there are there are the expectations for your child are incredibly high. Yeah, and you expect them to do more than the other employees, and typically you get paid less to do it. So, like you're paid less than somebody else, kind of in your role, and at the same time, you're expected to never be sick, always be there, never take time off, always rock it out, and always be available to do things that yeah. that are outside of your role too. Okay. On top of that, and so. I just think it's an unhealthy environment. Okay. Just, that's my personal opinion okay. on that. That's what I'm asking. This yeah. is awesome. And uh, I think that in the end, um, our children, my children, and other children of business owners, so to speak that way, are better served working someplace else. Okay. I think that they'll grow stronger like a lion in, the, in, the, in nature, so to speak, that way. And then I also feel it's a healthier relationship between the parent and the child. Okay. You can have a normal relationship when you're not right. working together. Right. I think that most families that have a family business, the children that work in the business and the parents have an, a weird relationship. It's slightly unhealthy, slightly okay. topic. Okay. Toxic that way. Some mm-hmm. of them are healthier than others. Yeah. But um, for the most part, there's a fair amount of toxicity well, there. Well, yeah, I... I, I and and you bring uh, experience to this, yeah. Right, you bring yeah, your my, own my own personal you bring your own life experience there. That, that yeah. it's not like you just read this in a book and yeah. decided that's how I'm going to do it. Is mm-hmm. is that you're the the son of a business owner? Mm-hmm. You had some close people, a quasi aunt and a mm-hmm. best friend, and mm-hmm. a lot of relationships in your company, right? And you've mm-hmm. traveled quite a bit, and certainly mm-hmm. there's families that pull it off and mm-hmm. do it uh, and wouldn't change a thing, mm-hmm. you know. But I I'll say this. Um, maybe they're lucky, maybe they work extraordinarily hard at it, but it's not natural, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And I get it. And I've, and for certain, for every company that, that figures it out, for every Trump empire, so to speak, mm-hmm. that, that figures out how to make a family business extraordinary, there's a lot that don't, mm-hmm. right? There's just a ton that don't. So that's, uh, that's good counsel. Mm-hmm. That's good counsel. Anything else in the first year? This has been fantastic. We were going to talk about something else, but we're going to talk about that in another podcast because this one's uh, quite a ways in here. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll just say this, Josh. Thank you for being transparent about your your, your journey from uh, a young man into business. You've got a very common route to ownership, which is a, father's, a son taking over mm-hmm. a father's business, but a very uncommon uh, journey after that. So mm-hmm. I thank you for sharing that. Thank oh, you. Well, thanks for so, having me, let's, just do, let's wrap this up with this yeah. way. Just tell us, where, where's Uptown today? Tell us about the business today. Yeah, so today... Um, just real quick this time. Real quick, yeah. uh, we've got... Uh, we did just under $14 million last okay. year, budgeted for $17.4 million this year. Don't forget the point four. And yeah. um, are projected to do $24 million in 2020. 
awesome. on our budget. All right. So you went from a $1.2 million business when you purchased it mm-hmm. in 2009. Is it 10? Uh, 10. 10. June of 2010. And seven years later here, mm-hmm. eight years later, you're uh, doing quite well. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you. And first, congratulations. Thank you, Jack. For all you've done. And I, mm-hmm. I said this to you, and I'll mm-hmm. say it to the group. I met you in 2009, and if you'd asked me for some money to invest in your business, <laughs> I'd have given it to you because I had that much faith in that you'd be successful, right? Yeah. I appreciate that, Jack. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, congratulations. And thank you mm-hmm. for sharing and being so transparent with us here. Mm-hmm. And thank you all for listening to another very interesting and special edition here of Leadership Lounge. This is Jack Tester, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>